This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. Last week, uh, just, just to do a quick recap, we talked about vision. And the reason I, I was really bringing up the concept of vision is I feel like this is kind of a new season, a new start in our our, our city and our, um, you know, it's very so closely associated with school system and, and Florida State. And so uh, a new semester, a new vision. And I just wanted to share about vision for our church and where we are going. Again, uh, it's not a destination that we are talking about. Like we're not going to go to up the street or down the street or anything like that. But really it's a spiritual destination. Where does God want us to be? Where does God want us to be? And what, who does God want us to be is really what I'm trying to say. Who does God want us to be as a church? In the Bible, it talks about Proverbs chapter 29 where there's no vision. And I would say vision is, is it's pretty complex, but it's the, the ability to see and to get to that place, uh, the people perish. We are, um, you know, as I said this morning, we are who we worship. And so I pray that Mosaic will always be a Jesus-worshiping church, that we don't worship you and your, um, your personal taste. Now, um, I know someone in, in my old home church in Sarasota, I was just told that somebody went up to the, uh, the music pastor and, and rebuked him and said that you weren't singing the right songs. And so, again, um, and that person who was saying that was just going by what he thought should be best. Uh, maybe not necessarily what's best for the church. And so if we're not careful, then we begin to uh, implement our own concept of what God wants us to do in our church. But what there is already a plan. There's already a vision uh, plan that's been unfolded for us. And uh, we are to become who God wants us to be. Anything less is settling for something less. So we are who we worship. And if we worship ourselves, we will become a greater capacity of who we are. And that's the thing uh, I've been listening about um, hell. I've been on theology class on where is hell, what is hell. Uh, it's pretty uh, mind-boggling. Uh, it's been challenging. But one of the concepts is, is that we become less of who God designed us to be and that we become the less of that image bearer that God has called us to be. And in a sense, we become who we um, we're settling to, so we're basically becoming a worse, uh, worse product of, of humanity. We become the, the depraved part of Mario. If I don't focus on God and give my heart to God and, and strive to be towards God, and that's why I love that psalm, is that uh, if God didn't rescue me, where would I go? And, and, and for years, we can do a really good job of containing the darkness in our hearts if we're, if we're not, uh, if we're really try to be very careful, but at the end of the day, we will just succumb to that, and we, bec we become our darkened, darkened person. If we were, basically, we get what we want. We uh, become what we worship, selfish selves. Uh, so it's pretty interesting. So where there's no vision, the people perish. Where there's no revelation, the people cast off restraint. And we talked about blind Bartimaeus, who was blind and, and wanted Jesus to heal him. He couldn't see. And so I believe that one of the things that I was trying to say last week is that can we, can, are we aware that we can't see? I was listening to another podcast about self-righteous people. One of the things about self-righteous people is that they do not know that they are self-righteous. 
because they cannot believe that it's them. And so um, one of the difficult challenges in sharing truths to a self-righteous person is they, they just can't, they can't grapple with it. They can't grasp it. And there's a study that talks about that people who can't see uh, who they really are can go for the rest of their lives in that condition. And that would be sad, wouldn't it? That would be sad if we can't uh, see uh, where we need to grow in our lives. If we can't come to uh, a point in our lives where we say, yes, I, I agree that that needs to change. Now, typically, when I talk about self-righteous people, they are always thinking, this is how self-righteous people think. You ready? They always think, I hope so-and-so is listening. If you just said that in your head, you might be self-righteous. Okay? If you just said, I wish my husband was listening, you might. But even the fact that I'm telling you, unless the Holy Spirit reveals it to you, it still won't make a difference. And so what, uh, with self-righteousness, you need, to be, um, you need to draw yourself close to Jesus and allow Jesus to speak into your heart. But if I said there are self-righteous people, and the first thought you thought was thinking of somebody else, that might be you. And again, as I'm telling you, as I'm telling you that might be you, you're thinking, that can't be me. It must be for somebody else. And so uh, one of the things I used to love about Ken Velarde, who used to be on our staff years and years ago, is that one of the ways he said that to help break his self-righteousness is that he would, um, he would respond to the altar call. Whether it really dealt with him or not, it didn't matter. It was a way for him to stay um, broken before the Lord and, and open to, to God's changing uh, power. But we become what we worship, and if we worship ourselves and we can't think that somehow we, we uh, have arrived, that we'll never be all that God has called us to be. Where there's no vision, the people perish. Where there's no vision, you can't see. And one of the challenges, I said, as I've been already saying, is that we need to see where we are in our journey with Jesus. A lot of times when we don't see where we are in our journey of Jesus, we don't know where we're going. Um, I don't know about you. Um, it does not, doesn't it seem like your birthday seems to come faster and faster? You know, one of the things I like to do and tease my friends, especially my younger friends, like let's just say someone turned uh, 39, I will usually say happy 11 years from being 50, you know, just to, just to give it to them a little bit. Uh, or my friends who are 20, 29, happy, happy 11 years from being 40, and for them, 40 is like super old. Now, of course, if they want to be mean, they just say happy five years from being 60 or 15 years from being 70, and then I'll go, okay, I, I give up. Let's not do that again. When we're not living up to God's plan for our lives, I mentioned that about um, Eric, when he might see a student, or Julie, you might see a student, and you know they have the capacity to do better, but they don't. They get lost for what, some, whatever reason. They don't have vision for their lives and where God wants them to be in the future. They can't see it. They're stuck in their situation. They, they're stuck in the situation. They can't what they don't understand, when people aren't changing, what they don't understand is that a little pain today is being nice to the person and to yourself in that future. If I, if I do the classwork and I do all that God wants me to do, I know that it'll be nicer to myself down the road. I'll understand certain concepts and certain things and truths that I can develop as a person. You know, we have a bunch of teachers here. Can I imagine that you see kids all the time? And that doesn't, uh, it's not exempt here in the church. 
that it's, it's sad that when we see people, we say, man, this person has so much potential, but they're, they're wrapped up in maybe a sinful behavior or selfishness or, or laziness. And that's the thing that I was trying to challenge last week in our church. One of the biggest challenges in growing a church is uh, when some newcomer comes is laziness. And, and I don't mean that to be in a bad way. Uh, it, just, it just, you know, we're all, we can all be lazy. I, I can be lazy. Uh, we all can be, if we, and, we, and if it becomes part of your life, becomes a pattern in your life, and then it becomes a, a stronghold. The power of vision is like someone who doesn't live up to their potential. It's like a boat that just sits in a harbor. Now, um, that's not what a boat is designed for. It's not designed to stay right there. And so the, without vision or be able to see uh, what God wants us to see, the people perish, and I believe the people is us. We perish. We perish. It, uh, I showed you a picture last week of, uh, of this, a boat. The last thing you want to, is to be in a storm of life and not have the capacity or not, be, not have the ability as a person to direct your life and where it's going. A lot of times we find ourselves in this situation and we haven't become that person that God wants us to be. I have a friend of mine, he spoke here a few years ago, Dick Schroeder. You know, he was a married man and a young married man. And all of a sudden, his wife got T-boned on a way to the grocery store. And next thing you know, his wife was a quadriplegic. She couldn't move. And so at that very moment, in the storm of life, you will find out what kind of person you are. What kind of person you are? Were you a person that had vision and, and purpose and, and understood that God's plan? Because if, if Dick Schroeder did not have a, a concept of who he needs to be in Christ, which he was developing that, then he could become easily dismayed and discouraged, and he could have left his wife. Because if, if the vision that he had was, I have to have a perfect marriage to be uh, faithful in my marriage, what happens when you have an accident? What happens when a storm comes in your life? And you're not the person that you need to be, that God has destined you to be, and storms it. And so I use the, uh, the little description of, it's like a boat without a keel. <laughs> have you ever been on a sailboat without a keel? I mean, it could literally flip over easily with any gust of storm wind. And we see that in our marriages all the time across this country, right? We see people just, just a little bit of storm, and they're out. Or without a stern, I mean, um, uh, a rudder to, to keep us going to, in the direction that God wants us to go. And so without vision, the people perish. They will slam into the rocks and perish. And the sad thing is, if uh, I want to talk to parents here, is that if you're, not what God, if you're not going to be what God wants you to be, eventually the storms of life will reveal that you have a life without a rudder and without a keel, and it's going to crash. And you would think, okay, well, then I'm going to just crash my own life. But no, we talked about this months ago, about the ramifications of from one generation to the next. It doesn't just affect you. It'll affect your children, and it'll affect your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren that you don't even know exist. And that's why it's important that without vision, and I would say proper God uh, vision, God-destined vision and mission, the people perish. Visionaries succeed, Christian visionaries succeed because they see who God wants them to be, who God wants them to be. 
So I want to challenge you and, and myself, and I'm always, every message I preach, I want you to know that I'm challenging myself, is that am I who God wants me to be? Am I preparing myself for the, the times in my life where there will be storms? Usually, in our journey with Jesus, these storms come uh, when we're least expected. It's kind of like that mechanic bill that you didn't, weren't prepared for. Any, any amens out there? Yeah. It's, it's usually when you get a bonus, just prepared. Your car will broke, break down as soon as you get a bonus because you're thinking, hey, finally we can take a step forward, and next thing you know you're taking two steps back. But what kind of person are you going to be when that happens? It, what kind of person? You have to begin to exercise those spiritual muscles today and say, Lord, where do you want me to be in those situations? What, what kind of person do you want me to be without... Vision, the people perish. Who are you in the storms of life? Uh, one of the things that I like to challenge us as a church is the word vision that we talked about in, in uh, the New Testament. The Greek use is the word um, rhema. One of the words is rhema. The other word is logos. Logos. Many of us are aware of the word logos. And then there's the rhema word. Just raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about when I say the rhema word, R-H-E-M-A. Rhema refers to God's spoken word. Rather than the complete collection of the word of God that we have in front of us, embodied in the Bible, it's not a different word. It's not something that's different than the written word, but it's a personal word. When is the last time you had a personal word from the Lord? It's very, it's very real, and it's God's Holy Spirit speaks in his rhema word, or his, his breath, the rhema breath, and it speaks to us specifically. It's, that's something that the Holy Spirit will speak to you. One day, and some of you know this story, I was, uh, I was up front uh, at, a, at a meeting, and I remember saying, Jesus, I love you, and I've given you everything in my life, and I literally said, I don't know what else I could give you. That was my prayer. And that's when I heard a rhema personal word. And it was almost audible. And it wasn't for me because I would never have thunk it. And he said, I want you to cut your hair. For those of you who get close enough to me, you know that I have a, a right ear that was, I was born with a deformity. And I had five years of plastic surgery that went bad. But for years, I had the hair, my ear covered. I had a very long, I had long hair. And even when long hair went out of style, I still try to keep it in style. But I had a rhema word. The Lord spoke to me specifically that was not against his written word. And he says, I want you to cut your hair. And I try to, um, it took me two weeks, but I try to walk in obedience. And every time I get a haircut, it's still walking in obedience. And so uh, the rhema word of God, it's that glorious, special word. The Lord speaks to you specifically. But here's the thing about the rhema word of God. You ready for this? This, one's, this is where it's tough. Again, becoming everything that we, God has destined us to be. Uh, those who, without vision, the people perish. And then God will speak to us. 
But you know what I found out? In Psalms 25, it says, The Lord confides. He whispers secrets to those who fear him and love him. And I say the love him part, but will obey him. It says this in, in John 17, If a man is willing to do his will, then he shall know my teachings, whether it is of God or whether I speak for myself. And so if you want to hear the rhema word of God, I believe what you need to do is to place yourself in a position that you're ready to be obedient. Now, I used to fall for the trick from friends. Hey, so what are you doing Saturday? (laughs) What are you doing? Someone says, hey, so what are you doing Saturday? You want to know what? You want to know, hey, ask the whole question first, and then I'll tell you if I'm free. You know what I'm talking about? Because, uh, you know, when you're young, you've fallen for that trick. Hey, so what are you doing Saturday? Like, oh, nothing. Hey, can you help me move? <laughs> uh, well, I was doing something. I forgot. But that's because we have some mistrust. We've been burned in the past, right? We have been burned in the past when someone asks us, what are you doing? And you say nothing, and then you find out you're obligated to do something you don't want to do. What happens when God says, hey, Mario, are you free Saturday? And then we begin to play a little game like, well, it all depends. It all depends. You tell me first, God. And the fact that you would say, you tell me first, God, is in the sense that you don't trust him. You don't trust that he has the capacity to know what to ask you and to know if you have the capacity to fulfill it. And so I believe that God is looking for us. Without vision, the people perish. And part of that vision is understanding and hearing that rhema word of God. And when God says, Mario, are you free on Wednesday night? It all depends is not the answer he's looking for. He's looking for people who submit themselves and say, God, I'm scared to say yes, but I know that you are good and you have my best interests at heart because you know my heart. You know my heart even more than I know my own heart. Because it says if a man is willing to do his will, then he will know his teaching. And then in Psalms it says the Lord confides in those who Fear him and walk in obedience. He he tells the secrets of his covenant, his plans, to those who are willing to say yes to him. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I'll do it even though I don't understand everything, even though it doesn't make sense in my mind. It's that rhema word of God. God tells us what to do, and we say yes without Without vision, the people perish. And so where are you as a a person who's following Jesus in your journey with Jesus? Where are you? And, And God says, I want you to follow me. Follow me. Where are we going? That's a tough one, isn't it? I want you to follow me. I want you to follow me. And then maybe our natural, and because we've been burnt in the past, like, where are you going to go? And so, again, it's a, it's a challenge. I'd say it's a front of understanding God's character. When you say, God, I don't, I don't 
I don't know if I can trust you. I don't know if you're trustworthy of my life to follow you. Without vision, the people perish. I believe it goes back to when um, we're not all that God has called us to be, that we will not be able to navigate the storms of life that come. And they come to everybody, the wicked and the, the righteous. Storms come. And I believe that God wants us to be everything that he's destined us to be. Without vision, the people perish. And, and God wants to speak to us. There's an overall uh, plan that God has for his, 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 his earth, his people, his creation. And then there's this, a specific a plan that falls into. If it's, it's like a puzzle piece that falls into the big puzzle. Uh, and, and for us individually, what, what kind of... What kind of husband am I going to be 10 years from now? One of the challenges I have is, um, you know, as I'm now in my mid-50s, I start now thinking ahead, like, what am I going to do, you know, 20 years from now? What kind of, but here's the thing I've been asking myself, what kind of person am I going to be 20 years from now? Not what kind of money am I going to have? What kind of person will I be in 20 years? What kind of person will I be in 25 years, God willing? What kind of person will I be if my wife gets sick? Or what kind of person will Robin be if I get sick? What kind of person will I be if if I have to live a life like my friend Dick Schroeder, where his wife's in a wheelchair for the rest of her life? They've been married like 30, 40 years, and I think 40 years and 30 of them is when she's been in a wheelchair. What kind of person? So I'm not thinking, you know, if I'm going to have money for my retirement, although I do think about that. I'm thinking, what kind of person will I be on that day? Will I be a grumpy old man? Will I be a selfish old man? Will I be a, will I be a man that doesn't care what other people think? In a sense, like I'm selfish. Yesterday was funny. I was in Publix, and I saw this man drive his car up all the way, nose first, up to the doors where they open because he didn't want to get wet. And it scared these two older ladies because they were in their little scooters, and they were about to go out the, the glass door. The door opened, but you couldn't get out. There was a car. Literally, there was, the car was one tile, one foot away from the glass entrance. How do you get like that? I don't want to be that. So I have to begin to plan now. So Lord, help me. Help me to be pliable in my heart. Help me to always be soft in my heart. Help me to always be obedient. Lord, help me never to be that person. I wish so-and-so was listening to the message. Because you know, God knows that so-and-so person is not here. But you're here, so God wants to speak to us, and I'm here. So I'm thinking of the future. So, Lord, if I become, if I'm stubborn today and I don't change today because I can't see that that vision isn't, is blinding me. I'm blind like Bartimaeus. And if I don't change and begin to start today to change and be pliable to what God wants me to be, guess what I will be in 20 years? I'll be a worse person than I am right now. Being selfish. I, I shared the story years uh, months ago about these ladies that all sat, they're all widowers, widows. 
And none of them wanted to remarry. It shocked me. None of them missed their husband. They were honest. I don't want to be that kind of person. It takes, it takes a vision to see that. So where are we as a church? How do we do this as a church? Now, it looks like everybody in our church is, is uh, part of our church, and I'm grateful for it. But um, what's our vision for our church? Our vision for our church is to seek and to do what God wants us to be. You know, someone said that we're a friendly church, and I believe we are. But I believe God wants us to take us to, to the next level, is to really be um, mindful of those who are new to our church, those who may are uh, maybe isolated because of circumstances and situations. What can we do to serve our, our people? Uh, what can we do to help the college students that are going to start coming next week? What can we do to the single parent that's trying to raise their kids on their own? What can we do to the, the homeless person that walks in our doors uh, every, every other week, it seems like? What can we do? Because God wants us to be everything that God wants us to be in our church. I don't want to settle. Because if we, if we stop changing, if we stop having the heart for God, then we'll just become just some regular old church that's, that sings its songs and does its thing and then leaves and nothing ever changes. We don't change. The community doesn't change. Nothing happens. And so God has called us to be that church that he's designed for us. It's not my design. I don't have the better perspective. He has the best perspective. And so he wants us to be all that uh, we've been uh, destined to be, why he created Mosaic Church. Why did he make this church 12 years ago? What's our purpose here? Well, our purpose, number one, is to glorify God. We did that this um, uh, earlier on. At 11 o'clock, we started worshiping God. We become whom we worship, and we worship Jesus. That's, you know, not that it's a challenge, but you know, the challenge is to find the song, not the challenge with Bryce and I. But we're trying to find that song that will focus, that we're going to worship Jesus. We're not going to worship our emotion on how we feel about Jesus. Does that make sense? And so that's, that's the challenge. A lot of our songs are about our emotional response to Jesus. And uh, again, that's like, almost like self-seeking and self-glorifying. But anyway, so we want to be all that God has called us to be. Without vision, the people perish. Uh, we want to be a discipling church. That means that we're all in this in relationship, in a community that we speak into each other's lives. Every time we're up here with the, with the children, we're doing a Bible, I mean, a baby dedication. And I always say it takes a village or it takes a church to raise a child. Because what we're saying is, I need you, if I'm up here with a baby, I need help. I need your help. That's what Rhea's doing downstairs, and that's what many of you do downstairs with our kids in the kids' church, and what Robin's doing. You're helping. You're helping raise little children. We're augmenting the word of God. We are not uh, the main source of the word of God in their, the kids' lives. That's, that's the parents' job. But we're augmenting. But it, it, it's about serving and serving our community, serving our church. And God has called us to live a life of discipleship where we're serving and also being submissive and, and accountable to other people. I think one of the challenges of small churches like ours is that it's easy to be, uh, you don't want, if you don't want to be accountable, you don't go to a, a small church because we know when you're not here. And typically, when you're not here, we just say we miss you. That's, and that's a form of accountability. Hey, we missed you. You make us, uh, I think, a better believer, and hopefully we make you a better believer, and we can work 
together in, in unison to be everything that God has called us to be. I'm going to stop here, but I wanted to continue a little bit next week, but I want to talk about the continual vision for our ch- the church I believe God has given us. But where are you right now? Is this where you want to end up in your journey with Jesus? I would say probably not. God is going to speak to us here in a second, I believe. And I, hope, I pray that he gives you a rhema word, that he speaks to you and say, hey, this is something that needs adjustment. This is something that needs to change in order for you to fulfill what God has designed you to be. On your journey with Jesus, where do you want to be? And it's not where do you want to be. Where does God want you to be down the road? If not, I'm telling you, uh, you'll be lost. You'll be blind as Bartimaeus. At the end of the day, you'll have storms in your life, and you won't make it. You won't make, you won't make it to the place that God has called you to be. So let's just pray and say, Lord, speak to us. Heavenly Father, speak to us this morning. Speak to us. We don't want to be that person without a rudder and without a keel, Lord. We don't want to be that person because that person is like someone who doesn't have vision, doesn't have purpose, isn't planning, isn't being submissive to the Holy Spirit. But, Lord, we desire to glorify you with our lives to live spirit-filled lives, lives that have been changed by your spirit. Lord, I say thank you, Father. Speak to us right now a rhema word, a specific word for ourselves that we could say yes to, yes. Because, Lord, we know that you reveal secrets, your covenant secrets to those who fear and say yes to you. Lord, we say thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. Lord, we say thank you for almost, in a week, it'll be 12 years of Mosaic Church. And we could literally say it is by God's grace. We say thank you. Lord, I pray for every family here. Lord, I pray, God, that you would just begin to mold them in a, in, in a place, uh, make them into that, that family that you have destined them to be for your glory. Lord, help us to never settle, Lord. Even when we get older, we're, we've never arrived. There's always room for change. Lord, help us to always have our hearts soft so that we can be easily directed by your Holy Spirit. We say thank you, Father, in advance. Give us, give us that vision. Give us the wisdom that we need and give us that obedience. We love you, Father. Be with us this week, and I pray that, Lord, that you would um, give us the opportunity to, to invite someone to church next week. Lord, give us someone that we can put in our minds and to, and to make the effort of, of reaching out to them. We love you, Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.